You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. I've said for years, and finally the science is there to back me up. Uh, that's happened to me before. I said for years that female sexuality was a lot more fluid than male sexuality and people would jump down my throat and then the science roared in to back me up and uh, now everyone can go and fuck themselves who yell at me for saying female sexuality is more fluid. Uh, but the science is backing me up on another thing I've said for years that people who are homophobic are often faggots. Uh, you know, you look at a Ted Haggard, you look at a Larry Craig, you look at a Pope Benedict and what you see is – a self-hating homosexual who is externalizing an internal conflict. Uh, the reason they want to control other gay people is because it seems to them a good way to con- keep themselves under control. The bigger a homophobe you are in public, uh, the less able you are to ever come out. It's really a way of nailing your closet door shut and deflecting attention, deflecting blame, uh, changing the subject. Like, I, you know, you can't possibly be gay. No one's going to think you're gay if you're the biggest fucking homophobe on the planet – and you live in St. Peter's and you wear red Prada slippers and you have your own line of cologne, who will think you're a fag then, right? So long as you're publicly and violently uh, and obnoxiously homophobic. Well, a new study on top of another study that came in not too recently found that, quote, homophobia is more pronounced in individuals with an unacknowledged attraction to the same sex and who grew up with authoritarian parents who forbade such desires, a series of psychology studies demonstrates so uh you might not want to be a homophobe because people are going to think you're a fag if you're a big fucking homophobe increasingly uh that is now not uh evidence that you couldn't possibly be gay but if you're a big fucking screaming yelling pouting foot stomping homophobe in public on television on twitter people are going to think at you look at you and go oh yeah uh, probably wants to suck some dick that dude just Probably. Which brings us to Matt Barber. Uh, works for an outfit called the Liberty Council, last seen in public or last garnered a little notice in public by claiming that there is, quote, no evidence that lesbian, gay, and bisexual people are targeted for violence uh, in this country or on this planet. He's tweeting, uh, which is what he does practically for a living. Uh, professionally anti-gay, this guy. You know what that might mean. Uh, And here's a tweet he sent out today. Angry liberals say term sodomy-based marriage offensive and wrong. I partly agree. It is sodomy-based, but it sure ain't marriage. Sodomy-based marriage is uh, Matt Barber's new term for gay marriage or marriage equality. Uh, He doesn't want people to say gay marriage anymore, particularly because polls increasingly show that majorities of Americans favor gay marriage. So he wants us to call it. He wants social conservatives, religious conservatives to call it sodomy-based marriage marriage uh you know i don't think of my marriage as sodomy based i think of it as sodomy enhanced just like the marriages of millions of heterosexuals a center for disease control study uh, that came out this year called sexual behavior sexual attraction and sexual identity in the united states found that 44 percent of straight men and 36 percent of straight women had had anal sex uh, anal butt fucking anal sodomy not just for the faggots anymore so calling gay 
marriages or same-sex marriages, sodomy-based is a little kind of reductive and it cuts out all those heterosexual married people out there who are engaged in anal intercourse. Um, I don't know if the, the, the phrase will catch on. I don't know if Matt Barber, who you can follow at Twitter, at J Matt Barber, uh, is going to succeed in this effort to redefine gay marriage as sodomy-based uh, marriage. I'm offended. Matt Matt predicts that people like me, uh, sodomites, will be offended by this bait and switch. And I am offended because I like to think that I love my husband enough that if his ass were torn off in an industrial accident somehow, that I would still be with him. I would stand by his side. I like to think that our marriage exists and our, our, you know, our, our, our love for each other, our commitment – continues even if we're not currently sodomizing each other at that moment that we don't actually have to have our dicks in each other's asses uh, for our vows to be in force. Uh, but, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe if Terry's ass gets torn off in a threshing accident, I'll run. But I doubt it. I think I'm with that guy for life. Uh, and I think our marriage is about a lot more than sodomy. I think it's about love. I think it's about commitment. Uh, I think it's about, you know, when you think of a marriage – Let's say an opposite sex marriage. You think of what marriage means. You don't go to penis and vagina based marriage. You don't look at those straight people and think they are fucking the shit out of each other. He is putting his dick in her vagina. That is a dick and vagina based marriage. You think that's a marriage. And everything that makes a marriage a marriage has uh, you know, very little to do with sex. Sexual passion, attraction, that connection that can bring people together, can really cement a bond. But all by itself, it really doesn't define marriage. Love, commitment, uh, those things define marriage. What Barber wants to do here and what's so sinister about this is you know, he's promoting this idea that gay people are nothing more than the sex acts in which they engage. It's quite literally dehumanizing that Terry and I aren't gay men who love each other and are committed to each other and are married. Uh, we are just ass-fucking. Our marriage is ass-fucking, not two people but an act, a sexual act, sodomy. Uh, it is, you know, that is dehumanizing. That is to strip our humanity out of our relationship. That is to dehumanize our marriage. This isn't a marriage of two autonomous adult individuals who've come together and made a commitment, built a family, love each other, uh, and are with each other, hopefully for life. This is just ass fucking. That's all it is. This is ass fucking pretending to be a relationship, pretending to be love, pretending to be marriage. Uh, so yeah, Matt Barber, I am offended. I also think that straight people should be offended by this because there are lots of straight ass fuckers out there. And sodomy isn't just for the homos anymore. Remember, people, sodomy is any sex act that is not open to procreation. Technically, we are all sodomites now. Uh, every blowjob you – ladies, have you given a blowjob? You are a sodomite. Guys, have you performed cunnilingus? You are a sodomite. Straight people, you've done a little anal play? Welcome to the club. You are sodomites we are all sodomites so maybe maybe i shouldn't reject the term sodomy based marriage maybe that's just a term that describes every marriage everyone's marriage is sodomy based if they're lucky or as i like to say sodomy enhanced if you're lucky because nothing cements those bonds like a little non-procreative sexual activity speaking of homophobic Douchebags obsessed with my marriage. Rick Santorum dropped out of the presidential race last week. We are going to miss him. One big sad tear. I will not be condemned during a presidential debate because Santorum won't be standing up there. Uh, it was a nice run you had there, Rick. 
Nobody believed that you were running for president. We all believed that you were running for four years on Fox News as a paid commentator. Uh, mission accomplished. Mission, E-mission accomplished. You will get that gig. You will get that call from Roger Ailes. Uh, but thank you. Thank you for everything you did for our country. Thank you for driving Mitt Romney even further to the right. Thank you for cranking up uh, the anti-birth control machine. Uh, thank you for your thank you for all your efforts to drive up the gender gap and help reelect Barack Obama this November. Your calls after this. Are you feeling frisky? Want to take your sex life to the next level? Check out our friends at exandria.com. The Exandria Collection has the hottest sex toys and adult movies at unbeatable prices. Enter code SAVAGE, S-A-V-A-G-E, right now and get 20% off your entire order. Do it now at exandria.com. That's X-A-N-D-R-I-A dot com. Hi, Dan. This is a 24-year-old female um, straight in Kansas City and... I'm calling because my boyfriend and I have been together for about three years, and we lived together, um, but when we didn't live together, he slowly introduced me to this thing that he's into, um, which is the kind of ball busting. We was kind of nervous about it at first, but then I got into it as well. Um, but what's happening now that we've moved in together is that he has all these issues. He needs to separate the this person that he loves and that he lives with from the person that he wants to kick him in the nuts. So I would really like just to bridge those things because I enjoy it and I want him to have a full sexual life. So how can I help him see that I can be both of those things um, so that we can both be a lot happier? Thanks, Dan. One of two things is going on here. Uh, when you first began to date and the stakes were low, he was more open and felt freer discussing his kinks with you because it didn't matter to him very much what you thought of him. Uh, sometimes people with crazy kinks uh, have an easier time being open with people they've just met, people they don't know well, people they don't expect to be in a relationship with, people they've hired for the night and are never going to see again. Uh, because the you know being judged by that person seems less embarrassing. Uh, what will happen with some people though is they'll be really open about their kinks with somebody they've just met. Uh, and then you know they'll make a love connection and then this kind of residual shame will kick in where they're looking at you worried about how you're judging them or how you're feeling about their kinks uh, and they'll regret having been so open so quickly because now you're in love and now your opinion really matters and what if you think they're disgusting and a freak? So it could be that. It could be case number one where he was comfortable exploring this with you when – you were just casually dating and before your relationship took off. Or it could be two. There are people out there who really enjoy uh, a particular kink. Uh, and most of these people I'm about to describe, it's a kink that's centered around one particular act like getting kicked in the balls or getting a pie in the face or a spanking. And sometimes those kinks, their enjoyment of them works better if they're not doing it with someone that they're in a relationship with, if they're not doing it with someone who's also their lover. But this – kink, this thing only happens when they see this one particular person in this one particular circumstance where only one particular thing is going to happen because it reduces everyone involved to just that act and it makes the sensations that much more heightened. You know, if you were a woman who was into spanking and, you know, you had a husband at home and he wasn't so into it but you had a guy on the side with your husband's okay because you're monogamish, you're not a cheating piece of shit and you knew that every time you made a date to see that guy, every time you were actually in his presence, you were going to get spanked, that would make being in his presence electrifying because, oh my God, it's about to happen. That could be the case with your boyfriend. He could enjoy the kink and enjoyed it with you early in the relationship, maybe when it you know, was most of what you did. 
uh, and most of what you meant to each other. But now that you're lovers, it doesn't really work as well with you because it doesn't define your connection or your relationship. And what he misses and wants to get back to is having someone in his life who just is that, who just is the person who busts his balls, not the person who busts his balls and then makes him breakfast or busts his balls and then he helps remove, just the person who busts his balls. You should talk to your boyfriend. Uh, now that you live together, now that you have a love connection, find out which it is. If it's rising shame, you're just going to need to reassure him uh, over and over again. Address those insecurities. Tell him that you don't think there's anything wrong with it. You really enjoy it too. You've really come to like kicking him in the balls and you miss it. Uh, and reassure him and just you know break down those insecurities. Uh, help him beat back that shame. But if it's the latter, if his deal is that he really needs someone in his life who does this for him and only this for him – uh, because it makes it that much more intense and electrifying and that's that's what he misses, that the intensity. You can allow him to have that with someone else. This isn't sex. Uh, it is a kink. There's a sexual dimension, an erotic dimension. Um, I would encourage you in a situation like that to give him permission to find somebody who can do that for you. But then tell him that when he wants to see that person for a ball busting, he has to get your okay every single time so that you're still involved in the ball busting. Uh, you're giving the permission. You're involved in you know uh, the series of events that are set in motion that wind up with him on the floor clutching his balls and groaning in agony uh, even if you're not the person doing it. So you still feel connected and you still feel a part of this uh, dimension of his you know, erotic imagination and erotic inner life, uh, even if you're not the person who's delivering the swift kick that he needs so badly. Hey, Dan. A mid-20-year-old from the East Coast here. Uh, I have a question about a certain kind of scenario, and I don't know uh, anyone who's done it before. Uh, it's a rape scenario, and I know it's a little weird for some people. Um, but if someone is asked to perform a rape scenario with their... Uh, partner, how much communication should be it should be had? Because um, part of of rape is is it being non consensual. So if you're like, okay, I'll rape you on Tuesday, uh, is that cool for you? Like, does that work? Because then then you're saying, okay, well, they expect to be raped on Tuesday. I know this sounds so weird, but but yeah, like it, you'd want it to be as good as it possibly can get. And if the person like knows, then does that ruin it? I don't know, because I, the, the point being, don't even want to start dialogue to begin with because I don't know how much is too much. When it comes to a negotiated rape scenario, when you're going to fulfill someone's rape fantasy, you don't wing that shit. Every single aspect of a pre-negotiated, consensual, not rape, rape fantasy fulfillment scene has to be nailed down, negotiated, plotted out, scripted. Every single beat, for lack of a better – I'm using a theater term, not a smack somebody term. Just like every every moment, every beat needs to be negotiated. At least the first half dozen times you do this with this particular person. So if you've been asked to play the quote-unquote rapist in someone's rape fulfillment fantasy scenario, what you need to do is – have long drawn out explicit conversations about what's expected of you, of what you know, what their fantasy looks like, what they want to have happen uh, during this fantasy. If they say, surprise me, you don't do it. You don't fulfill this particular fantasy with someone. You need a roadmap. They need to tell you. But this is something that she has a hard time articulating. She's embarrassed, doesn't want to say it out loud, do it on email. I would encourage you to do it on email anyway. Have face-to-face -face conversations, also have email conversations. Um, there have been cases of people you know, who answered online personal ads 
from somebody who claimed to be looking to have a rape fantasy fulfilled. Uh, and they had long drawn out conversations all via email and then they leapt out at that person and it turned out it was the ex-boyfriend who was doing the planning, not the woman. And all of her resistance was real. Uh, people have gone to prison for botched rape fulfillment fantasies for not getting all their I's dotted and T's crossed. So get all your I's dotted and T's crossed. Lay it all out, plot it out, script it beat by beat, moment by moment. Um, and then once you guys have done this once or twice, if you you know it goes like gangbusters and you enjoy it and she enjoys it uh, and you want to do it again and say so you do it five or six times, you'll reach a point where you you'll have a relationship. You will know what works for her, uh, what she enjoys, and maybe then you can begin to improv a little bit around the edges, baby steps into the non-pre-approved uh, beats moments that you might want to incorporate into a rape scene, baby fucking steps, and a safe word so that if you you know go too far or if it gets squicky or if she changes her mind, uh, there's, a, there's a, a button that she can press that stops everything. And that needs to be pre-negotiated too. But again, when it comes to any sort of uh, erotic violence, power exchange, that stuff uh, with a new partner particularly uh, and with rape scenes particularly, all of that stuff has to be talked to death before it happens. Are you ready for some mind-blowing sex? Then check out our friends at exandria.com. The Exandria Collection has the hottest sex toys for men and women at unbeatable low prices. They've been putting smiles on faces for more than 35 years and everything they sell comes with a 100% satisfaction guarantee and is delivered with absolute discretion. Whether you're single, in a relationship, or just bored, they'll put a zip in your step. At least in your step. Guaranteed. Don't settle for ordinary, experienced, truly orgasmic sex. Shop now and save 20% off your entire order. Just enter code SAVAGE during checkout. Start shopping now at exandria.com. That's X-A-N-D-R-I-A dot com. Hi, Dan. I'm in an open relationship and a really great guy. I uh, healthy sexual relationship, really confident. Uh, I went out with a friend last night, um, old friend. I haven't seen him in, in a while. and uh, Had a couple drinks, not drunk, not wasted. Just, you know feeling good, and um, we decided to hook up, and fine, totally consenting, and um, we got back to his hotel, and, you know, kind of started, and then it was weird. All of a sudden, it was like this switch got flicked, and he became violent, sounds so over, overly done, but, like, um, really rough, and, like, hair pulling, and flipping me around, and, like, covered my mouth, and, like, made it very clear that I was not into it, and, you know, and with my boyfriend, we've done a little light bondage. It's not really my kink, but I'm not... Um, you know, I'm not opposed to something like that. Be sort of not disgusted, but like <laughs> what a total surprise. But yeah, and then I was like, hey, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm not really feeling it anymore. I think I think I'm gonna go and just got a little like a little rough, but like in a playful way, like stay, but not, but kind of interesting. I don't know. It just felt so weird, and I like I didn't have this weird violated feeling all day. Like, and it's and I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not calling rape or anything like that. Is that a weird feeling to feel like? You know, somebody just starts manhandling you and to feel uncomfortable about that. And maybe it's weirder because he was a friend. And I don't know. I just was wondering if like, there's, like, a, you can think of a reason why I'm feeling so weird and so violated about it or if I'm just crazy. 
Um, hey, listen, uh, I-, I think you feel violated because in a way you were violated. You know, the call before yours is about negotiating a rape scenario and that all of that has to be laid out very explicitly. Anytime you're, you know, you're into violent sex or you're negotiating a, you know, a, a sexual encounter that includes eroticized violence, uh, you have to disclose, you have to talk that shit out. And the onus was on him, if he likes it rough, just to toss that out there. Uh, while you guys were flirting, while you were still drinking, all he had to say was, I like it kind of rough. You know, I like to pull hair and throw around and slap a little bit. And at that moment, you could have said, I don't. And that would have been the end of it, right? You wouldn't have bombed up in that hotel room. So he, that he just went for it is bad form. And right. he didn't do – he didn't keep up his end of that kind of bargain uh, of, of a sexual encounter, particularly with somebody that you've never been to bed with that involves any sort of violence. The onus is on him to get your consent for that above and beyond what can be assumed about a sexual encounter. And he oh, didn't. Yeah, no, I mean, it just was so, like, out of nowhere. And, like, normally he's kind of, like, there's nothing, like, really overly masculine about him. Like, he's not, like, he's not, like, that he's, a, you know, somebody who's sort of rough and gay. Like, he's kind of a pussy, actually. Did he, seem <laughs> you po- know? did he seem possessed? Did he seem, like, suddenly a different person? Or was the person yeah, that you were out there yeah, still there? Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Did- possessed is a really great word. He seemed possessed. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, whoa. And when, you, and when um, you made it clear that you were not into this did he knock it the fuck off no and that's like and i'm like a pretty like i'm a really assertive person and i was like hey not cool lay off and you're like oh yeah, yeah yeah and it was fine for like a few minutes and then he was at it again and like two times i'm sorry i'm done like <laughs> and you got you got up and left yeah yeah and it was like yeah, it just was just so excessive and <laughs> like and, and i wouldn't you know if i had expected maybe i wasn't down with it but yeah. And have you heard from him since? No, I've probably seen a he's a douche. <laughs> yeah, well, clear, uh, uh, you know, clearly he's a douche. Um, part of me wants to say, oh, maybe he's embarrassed and ashamed, but we shouldn't give him uh, the benefit of that doubt considering that you made it clear that you wanted this to stop. He behaved himself for a split second and then started up again. Uh, he has issues. He has problems. Um, he's probably, you know, busted out these moves uh, with other women in the past mm-hmm. who responded really positively. This is what some women want. And a lot of yeah. women who want this sometimes don't ask for it, have a hard time articulating their desires, and are just delighted when a guy just kind of goes for it in this rough way. Because suddenly she's having a kind of sex that she's always wanted uh, without having to embarrass herself or out herself as a little kinky by requesting it. So he may have right. you know, done everything uh, that he did with you with other women uh, to cheers and applause and thunderous orgasms. Um, but with <laughs> you, it was exactly the wrong thing to do. And – of course you should feel violated, particularly, you know, violated a, uh, in a, in a small way when he just went for it without first asking if this kind of varsity level, uh, sex play was something you were up for. And then B, when you said, knock it off, not into it. And then he tried to incorporate it into the sex again. That's a, that's a big capital V all caps violation violated uh, for which he should be slapped and he should be ashamed um, and thank God you are the kind of woman who at a moment like that stops deferring to the male and had the peace of mind and the self-possession to get your fucking clothes on and leave. Thanks. That actually makes me feel up. I mean, that's just not a feeling I'm used to at any point in my life ever, really. And it just felt so weird because I couldn't, like, 
figure out if it's misplaced and or anything. No, 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 no not no, misplaced. Just- <laughs> not misplaced at all. And give yourself some fucking credit. There are a lot of people, men and women, and I, uh, you know, I was in a situation like this once where I just kind of like played along and till it was over. Uh, a lot of women uh, in your position, not enjoying it, not into it to spare his feelings and his ego would have just kind of gone with it until it was over and then felt violated uh, that you, oh, no. you know, packed up your pussy and left <laughs> speaks to your, you know, speaks to your strength uh, in that moment, a moment that a lot of people, myself included many years ago, uh, wouldn't have had the, the uh, ovaries to stand up and, and extract themselves from. So wow. all props to you, you were violated uh, and hopefully he learned a lesson and, you know, I would encourage you to reach out mm-hmm. to him, you know, whether he's not calling you because he's an asshole and a douchebag or he's not calling you uh, because he's embarrassed and ashamed. He needs to know that this is not OK. What he did was fucked up, that this is something mm-hmm. that in the, the future, if this is the way he likes to have sex, that he needs to get a woman's advanced consent, not just bust these moves out on a girl. Uh-huh. Or he's going to no, get I in big he, fucking trouble. He's going to get in big fucking trouble. Like you could make a case for calling the police. Does right, he realize right. that? I, I, I have no idea. But, like, for me, like, that's what I couldn't figure out. I was like, well, you know, at one point I said yes, but then I said no. And so that's technically rape. But rape just sounds like it's, like, the big capital R. And you know what I mean? Like, it sounds so, like, it, it, I don't know. It is, like, you know, this is one of those calls where I'm going to get yelled at. Like, there's a lot of gray here. <laughs> You know, he busted out. He started doing stuff that you couldn't have assumed would be on the menu. Uh, You said, I'm not into that. He stopped. Uh, Then he started it up again, and you got up and left. Was that rape or was that not rape? Some people would argue that you were raped, that this was non consensual. Any non consensual sex act is rape. I think rounding everything uh, that touches in that gray area up to rape devalues rape uh, and the true horrors of rape. Um, and I would encourage you to look on the bright side, being how you responded in the moment and that you got yourself the fuck out of there and you stood up for yourself. Not everyone is capable of that in the moment. And so right. mad so props much. to you. <laughs> he violated you. You didn't violate yourself. Thank you. That makes me feel you don't even know how much better you just made me. <laughs> and is there any accountability? So Wait, before I let you go, is there any accountability for this guy? You say he's an old friend of yours. Is he a friend of your boyfriend's? Like somebody needs to have a chat with him. No, I mean, he, uh, we've worked together for, we're, we're in the arts, and so, like, you know, when we work together for years and years on the same sort of shows, and, you know, it's like sort of that world when, like, your paths cross, everybody gets together, and, you know, he's like, so I've known him for forever, and, like, this is just the first time we've ever hooked up, and, you know, like, drinking has never been an issue, like, it's just the paying on has an issue, and as far as I know, I, you know, I know girls and guys have talked with them, and nobody I know has ever had this problem with them, so... You know, maybe it was a random thing. I don't, well, I don't you, know. But, have you I mean, spoken to the women and men you know who've been with him about what happened when they were with him? Is you, is he t- not not expressly? No. Well, I why not? But, um, why not? Yeah, you should speak to a couple of them. Um, and then, at the very least, what you need to say to him is: apparently, everybody loves your rough and tumble fucking douchey moves in the sack and every, you've probably gotten nothing but positive responses in the past from other people but you need to know not everybody's into that having their hair pulled yeah. and being thrown around shit and I'm not and in the future so you don't wind up with the police at your door someday you need to let a girl know or and let a guy know before you start pulling him yeah. and slapping that that's what you're into yeah I can definitely do that now, now that I sort of feel a little bit better about like those 
the where I stand on the situation, I feel like confronting him and, and talking to him is is definitely in the realm of possibility and not just one to reach for the phone and slap him, <laughs> which you might like. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you probably don't do that for him. He doesn't deserve it. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, thank you so much for calling me, Dan. I appreciate it so much. And sure I love thing. the show, and it's great. Thanks. Oh, thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. You too. Bye. Bye. Hi, Dan. Uh, I am a bi woman in a committed relationship with a guy. I sort of I came out uh, in the middle of this relationship, and he's been nothing but supportive and um, great, and so that's been really awesome. Uh, one thing that has been particularly awesome is that he has a sort of former friends with benefits um, girl who is also bi, um, and we sort of in talking about, you know, me coming out and everything, um, discovered that we both have, you know, a threesome fantasy, and uh, we were able to act on that a while ago. So I have kind of a question about our unicorn, uh, a unicorn etiquette question. My boyfriend is on the taller, sort of big and tall side, um, and we have a queen-size bed. And so uh, post threesome, when we're all, you know, satisfied and happy and sleepy uh, and falling asleep, there just really wasn't enough room in the bed. So we live in a place where we have a guest bedroom and a guest bed. Um, but I'm curious, how do you suggest to someone that they go sleep somewhere else without sounding really rude? Because none of us slept well at all that night. And I'd really like for this to happen again. And my boyfriend does too, obviously. And, and you know, I think this, this girl does as well. Uh, but I'm a little curious to sort of how to go about the sleeping arrangements afterwards. This would be easier handled if you hadn't already slept with this girl because you could just say to a unicorn you were inviting over for the first time that you have a queen-size bed and it's really small and uh, you have a hard time sleeping three in that bed but you have a guest bedroom. Uh, and so when it's all over, uh, they can have their own bed all to themselves and one of you will jump in that bed with them for a little while and cuddle for a little while to help warm that bed up because there's nothing worse than going from – a bed you've been banging on with three people and it's all hot and everybody's warm to some icy cold sheets in a guest bedroom that no one's been in all night long. So what you do is, you know, when it's all over, uh, you all cuddle as a group and then two of you go to the guest bedroom and you cuddle. Uh, one of you cuddles with the, your special guest star in the guest bedroom and then when your guest gets all sleepy, you slip out and go back to your own bed with your partner. Uh, don't ask me how I know all this. Anyhow, uh, since you've already had this girl over, uh, I think what you do is you just state the obvious. You know, that was awesome. We want to do that again. Nobody slept, you included, because our bed's too small. So uh, when it's all over, one of us is going to slip out with you into the guest bedroom and have a cuddle and help warm up that bed. And then everyone's going to go uh, to their own beds. And then in the morning, totally come climb back into bed with us for a, for a repeat. I bet she'll be up for it. I bet uh, she was as annoyed at not sleeping as you guys were. She may have stayed in that bed all night with you, pining for the guest bedroom, uh, but not wanting to seem rude by suggesting that you toddle off and sleep there instead. Hey, Dan. I'm a hot 27-year-old wife in a large city. We're in an open marriage, and we've been married. Uh, we've been together for six years, and we've been open for two years. We've been married for one year. Um, but still, every time I fuck someone else, my husband reacts the same way. He he gets this alpha male pouting syndrome. 
And it makes me feel like absolute shit to where it's almost like not even worth it to, to go enjoy myself. And every time this happens, I talk to him and I say, look, are you, do you not want to be in an open relationship? Because we can go back to, to not, <laughs> to not being open if you prefer it that way. And I'm like, really, I, I don't want to be the person who makes you feel this way. And um, blah, blah, blah. And he always says, no, I want, I want this relationship. You just have to, you know, it's like, I just have to wait it out for a few days, wait and feel like complete shit. So it, it makes me act like I'm doing something wrong, even though everything's truthful and out in the open. Every time I get a potential suitor, I'm very reluctant to, to pursue it or to even tell my husband about it because I'm a, I know he's going to react this way. And I mean, he's completely able to fuck other women, and I would love if he would, because I hate when he acts this way. It makes me so unattracted to him because he's like this little pouty, weak person who can't do anything on his own, it seems like. So anyway, what what do I do? He refuses to to close the relationship. Not that I want to. I don't want to. And maybe that's why he refuses to close it, because maybe he knows that he'll lose me if the relationship is closed. But he, he doesn't really get much of anything on the side because he's just so in his shell. So um, what do I do? I would advise you to be monogamous, to return to a monogamous relationship. I would advise you to stop fucking other guys for a little while, uh, at least until you can unpack what's going on here, until you can pick this lock, solve this issue, have a little breakthrough with the husband, uh, that he seems at once miserable when you sleep with other people and yet anxious for you to continue fucking other people uh, leads me to believe that he's actually turned on by the thought of you fucking other people. Uh, and the pouting and the moping and the alpha male syndrome is his way of getting attention from you uh, in the wake of you having slept with other people, that there's something erotic about the moping for him and the pouting for him. Um, I think if you go monogamous, if you tell him, I'm not sleeping with anybody else until we figure out a way for this to happen for us and happen for you too, uh, that isn't so, you know, doesn't make me feel so guilty and terrible afterwards. Because if what he what he comes back at you with is, you know, when I'm pounding and sad, it's you know I'm kind of turned on to, or uh, I just really need your attention uh, after, and this is how I get it. Then you can make some adjustments. Um, you can, you know, if you're not already, and it's a good idea too. When you're in an open relationship and you've gotten uh, the kind of hall pass that allows you to leave the premises and fuck somebody solo and on your own. When you return home to the life partner who uh, allows this to happen, you know, is the kind of person that you can have and have their love and support and have a commitment with, but also have these adventures too. You need to be all over that person. You need to express gratitude. You need to fuck the gratitudinal shit out of that person promptly. One of the things that interested me about your call, I, I tried to call you and get you on the phone. Unfortunately, we couldn't. One of the things that interested me was you don't say the reaction that you'd like him to have. Uh, there's this reaction you're getting, which is pouting and uh, alpha male pouting syndrome, which is pretty hilarious, AMPS. You're getting that. What would you prefer? Uh, complete nonchalance, indifference. Uh, you might be calling me to complain about that. I've just been off fucking somebody else and my boyfriend or husband, we're in an open relationship, doesn't seem to give a shit or notice one way or another. I've gotten calls like that. Uh, it would be helpful to me uh, and I think also to you for you to articulate uh, to me or to him 
the reaction you'd like when you get home from sleeping with somebody else. Uh, I would hope that when you get home from sleeping with somebody else, you're anxious to sleep with him too. That is something that a lot of people in open relationships do. They find that you know a healthy open relationship actually leads to more and more intense of a sexual connection with the partner uh, back at home. And if what you want is just to get the shit fucked out of you by the man you love after you've gotten the shit fucked out of you by the man you could take or leave or just took and just left, um, say that to him. Uh, maybe that's what he wants. Uh, that may be what he thinks he's going to get if he pouts, that you'll fawn over him for a little bit, that you'll you'll give him some attention. Uh, if you're coming home and you know unpacking a bag of groceries and acting like nothing happened, uh, something happened. He may be going into the pout because what he wants is some positive attention and some strokes from you that he's not getting in the wake of that outside encounter. And he wants some reassurance. He wants your connection and his importance in your life emphasized, particularly at that moment. Uh, so what you may find if you talk to him is he'll say, when you walk back in the door after fucking somebody else, I really need you to be all over me. I really need uh, some love and attention and reassurance. And if you're not, if that's not coming from you, uh, he may be drawing it out of you with the pouting bullshit. You guys can fix this problem, but you're going to have to talk to each other. You're going to have to figure it out together. Hi, Dan. I'm a big fan of the show. I'm a 28-year-old female in San Francisco. My question has to do with STD testing. I have been talking to this kind of sleazy guy for like the last six months, and it only became progressively more obvious over time that he's really sleazy. Um, he lives in L.A., and we met uh, September last year. And we've been, you know, kind of casually talking and texting and sexting and it's sexy and it's fun. And we finally kind of got it together to actually see each other in person after all this time. And I went and got tested, as one responsibly does. And I asked him, you know, if he would do the same. And he told me, no, he wouldn't because he has always used a condom. Every single time he's had sex, he claims he has always used a condom, but I don't know if that's true, and he hasn't used them during oral. And even if it was true that he had been safe every single time, I still find it hard to believe that he would not ever need to be tested. I just I just don't think that this is right. So I'm going to ask you, Dan, because you know everything. Maybe he doesn't like tests. Maybe tests give him anxiety. But maybe he uh, knows that he has a sexually transmitted infection that will pop up on the test and so doesn't wish to test and uses condoms instead. And what if he does? Say he's HIV positive. Say he's on drugs and being treated and his viral load is undetectable and he uses condoms. Will you sleep with him anyway? Uh, he's practically, you know, when it comes to the HIV, very low risk. Uh, you know, if his viral load is undetectable, studies show that the chances of you getting infected, even without condoms, are very slim, but with condoms are practically non-existent. Uh, he may feel because of certain stigmas against people with sexually transmitted infection that your insistence on testing first when you're going to be safe during these encounters anyway uh, is unfair kind of overkill. Uh, I'm not – you know, I'm trying to read his mind, trying to figure out what's going on there. You have an absolute right to – uh, set the bar however high you want to set it to make whatever demands that you want to make. Uh, if you're willing to get tested and you demand that of a sex partner, that is within your right. Why would he balk? Perhaps he has a sexually transmitted infection. Perhaps he has 
uh, one like HIV, that there's a tremendous stigma. Perhaps he feels it's irrelevant if you – you know, maybe he doesn't have HIV. Maybe he just feels it irre- it's irrelevant because you're going to be using condoms anyway. Not that condoms protect against all sexually transmitted infections. They offer a degree of protection, but there are skin-to-skin sexually transmitted infections like herpes and HPV that condoms uh, don't provide a great deal of protection against. The ball's really in your court. If you're going to use condoms during this encounter, he has a point. You know, if this is a casual sexual encounter. Uh, he may not necessarily need to test. That is kind of uh, you know setting the bar unreasonably high. Even in my opinion, that seems unreasonably high. But hey, we're not talking about my pussy here. We're talking about your pussy and you get to set the bar wherever you want to set it. Uh, and if you demand tests, then you demand tests. Uh, why would he balk? Well, as I've laid out, he could have several very good reasons. And his point that if you're going to use condoms, what should it matter when it comes to a lot of the sexually transmitted infections that people – worry about and think about, typically when they mention testing, uh, it really shouldn't matter. Hi, Dan. I'm a 24-year-old bi-female living in the northwest with my boyfriend of four years. We've been monogamish for the last six months or so, and we actually have a great, sexy relationship with my best female friend. We recently started hooking up with a hetero married couple, too. When we first started hooking up with them, the four of us briefly discussed rules and boundaries. My boyfriend and I drew the line at condoms only and no anal. This couple drew the line at nothing beyond handjobs and fingering until further notice. This was all fine and good with us, but we were led to believe that eventually we'd be able to move on to oral and perhaps even vaginal penetration if we were good and played by the rules and took it slow. Last week, my boyfriend and I went on separate dates with this couple, meaning I went out with the guy and he went out with the gal. During my dinner date with the guy, it came up in conversation that vaginal penetration was most certainly off the table indefinitely, and the furthest we would go with them could only be saran wrap oral, which honestly doesn't excite me at all. He went on to explain that the paranoia they have the STIs and also wanted to know how many partners me, my boyfriend, and my best friend who we are fucking have had. I explained that I recently got an STI check and was totally clean. I guess it's not enough information for them or something? Anyway, my appetite was pretty much ruined at that point, and I really wanted to just throw the kill switch on the whole date. I felt pressured to have the date work work out because my boyfriend was off getting a handjob from the guy's wife, and if I called it off, it would have been game over for everybody. Instead, I ended up going back to his place and getting titty-fucked, which is pretty fun. But my question, Dan, is shouldn't my STI results be enough to help this couple make an informed decision? Or is that not good enough? I feel really slut-shamed. Should I? I don't think you should feel slut-shamed. And, you know, under normal circumstances, I think your STI results and uh, taking all reasonable precautions and using condoms should be enough for anyone. They're clearly not enough for him. What this couple sounds like are the kind of people who get into an open relationship or go into swinging uh, the way someone might go into mountaineering but first demand that the rules of gravity uh, be suspended, that they'll climb that mountain so long as – the law of gravity is re- repealed. Uh, there are risks and you can't control for all those risks. And there's no such thing as risk-free sexual encounters outside of a you know monogamous uh, relationship. There's always some degree of risk. It sounds like this couple is comfortable with no risk. They don't want any risk for anything, which is why it's all hand jobs, titty fucking and perhaps saran wrap oral, which is hilarious and takes me back to the 80s. Um, 
what I think they need to say when they make dates so that they don't get people's hopes up about vaginal intercourse perhaps is that they're just down – they're just J.O. buddies is what they'd be called in gay land. Uh, they just want to jack off. That's it. That's the extent of their uh, their willingness to you know sexually engage with somebody else is just masturbating and rolling around. Uh, that they didn't present that way at first. You know, you kind of got it mixed up in it. Uh, and then you wound up feeling slut-shamed. I don't think you should feel slut-shamed. I think you should feel risk-shamed or that th this couple is so risk-averse that they're being not rational. And they aren't being rational. You need to look at them, you and your boyfriend, if you want to have another encounter with this couple, and decide for yourselves if what they're capable of, what they're willing to do, what they're interested in doing, what they're comfortable doing – is enough uh, and, and provides you guys with enough pleasure and, and it's fun enough. You know, titty fucking yay. Is that fun enough that you would want to do that again with him? Because that's probably all you're ever going to be able to do with him. Uh, if that's not enough and doing that kind of, you know, rub makes you feel judged or that he's treating you in some way like you're diseased, then don't see him. Find some other guy. Find some other girl uh, to mess around with as a couple. But yeah, I, I've encountered that that type before <laughs> who, you know, they want to have crazy sexual adventures without any risk of anything bad happening ever at all. Uh, there are no sexual adventures. There are There is no mountain climbing without the risk of uh, falling to your death. Hi, I just finished listening to episode 286 with the guy with a pussy cougar issue. Um Lucid dreaming, um, where you are vaguely lucid in a dream and you're able to begin to control it. You should look into it. Um, lots of people have gotten over nightmares with lucid dreaming, so Google it. Um, hope that helps. Um, I just wanted to say, as someone who used to suffer from having nightmares, I recommend keeping a notepad by your bed and writing down your nightmares after you wake up from them. It kind of helps to get it out of your system or talking to your partner about the nightmare right after it happens. If you keep it inside and sort of build up and then you go back to sleep and have the nightmare again. Hi, Dan. Um, I just wanted to say that I had a, a similar, well, not a very similar experience, but as a teenager, I used to have dreams of my mom um, verbally abusing me and screaming at me and telling her no wouldn't stop the dreams. And it was something that was going on in real life, too. So going to sleep didn't, um, I wasn't able to escape from it. At the time, I was in counseling. And um, what the counselor told me to do was to imagine, when I was in the dream, to imagine myself shrinking my mom down and then stomping on her, like, as many times as I needed to basically stomp her to death. And I know that sounds crazy, and um, I didn't think that it would work. I thought it was really weird. I didn't think I would be able to do that. But I thought about it a lot, and then I told myself that it was something, you know, that it was okay for me to do. It was okay for me to stomp on her. So I actually uh, ended up having the same dream, and I shrunk her down to tiny person size, and I stomped on her, and she was gone, and I never had that dream again. Um, I don't know if that's uh, something that would help your caller, but I think sometimes saying no isn't as productive in a dream. And, uh, yeah, so basically, uh, if he can, just uh, don't worry about not thinking she's sexy or not thinking women are sexy, but just basically just try to kill her. 
And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720. I hope everybody's watching Savage U on MTV Tuesdays at 11 p.m. and repeating constantly around the clock throughout the week. There's uh, nine, ten more episodes to go. Savage U, please tune in. Tuesdays, MTV, 11 o'clock. 206-201-2720. That's the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or comment for a future show, do give us a buzz. You can comment on this episode at thestranger.com slash lovecast, where there's a comment thread dedicated to each and every show. You can read me at slog.thestranger.com, 206-201-2720. That's the number. Me and the tech savvy at risk youth. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. <laughs>